If you want to learn how to gain insights you can act on and solve business problems with data, all while building a data-driven culture at your organization, sign up for Pragmatic Institute's new course, Data Science for Business Leaders. Find out more at pragmaticinstitute.com data. Welcome to Data Chats, a podcast by Pragmatic Institute and the Data Incubator, where we tackle data topics and trends with experts, industry leaders, instructors, and alumni. I'm your host, Chris Richardson. Today, I'm sitting down with Jason Foster, author of Data Means Business and CEO of Synager, a data analytics company and consultancy. Jason, thank you so much for joining Data Chats. Let's uh, maybe begin with a little bit more about you. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about your experience and maybe introduce some of the book? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me first off, Chris. I appreciate being here. It's really good fun. Uh, yeah, so I'm, as you say, I'm the author of the book, a co-author of the book, I should say, um, Data Means Business. My co-author, Barry Green, uh, Industry Chief Data Officer. Uh, I also run and founded an organization called Synergeur. We're a data and analytics strategy company. Um, I also run a global data leaders members club for chief data officers called the CDO Hub. Um, I also have a podcast as well, Chris, called Hub and Spoken, which um, similar thing to you, focusing on talking about stories and, and getting into the stories from industry and, and how stuff really gets done uh, in this space rather than the fluff that you sometimes read. And uh, yeah, I've had a background in data pretty much my career, or rather a background in applying data to drive business transformation and, and derive business value, come up with all this stuff quite kind of business focused, I'm sure we'll get into. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, hence the name of my book, Data Means Business as well. Yeah, perfect. And, you know, I'm glad that you're you're in this space, obviously. And I came across Data Means Business in particular when I was helping set up a bunch of classes or getting ready, I should say, to set up some different training uh, with Pragmatic and the Data Incubator related to exactly the kind of thing that you're writing about. So first off, thank you for writing it. It's very helpful. And I found this in particular. I mean, I think we will have a conversation that extends beyond just this book, but it's a great place to start. Maybe you can say a little bit about why data means business was written. What what problems did you see that this presented a solution for? Because I think it it does in many different kinds of ways. But I'm interested to hear the backstory. What what prompted this book? Yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good one. And I we Barry and I often often think and reflect on this. And and um, I mean, we both had a, a sort of a sort of overarching desire to 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 just put on paper some of the stuff that we've been working on, implementing, you know, collaborating with 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 organisations around the world as as you know, a consultancy or in Barry's case as a chief data officer in big corporates in smaller organisations and. What, we, what I was finding and what he was finding is there are actually really consistent challenges, mm -hmm. really consistent approaches to solving those challenges. Um, and whilst every situation and every organization is quite unique in, in its problems, in its specific problems for their organization and its specific business strategy, from a data perspective, there are really common ways that we were finding people can, can approach solving the data part of that 
challenge. So, um, and, and we had a bunch of frameworks and best practices that we were using in, 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 in customers around how you define data strategy, around how you go on the journey, around how you execute, you know, really good data management, how you build adaptable data platforms and data solutions. So we just wanted to bring that all together. And, and when we, when we looked at the market of sort of content and particularly books that were written, there were quite a lot of very technical books focused around kind of data science and building Python, you know, books, uh, 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 products and solutions in how to build data warehouses and all this kind of stuff. And then there was a, a newer set of books around that were really focused at the, the lens of the chief data officer. So helping chief data officers. What we found is there was a bit of a gap in the kind of a really business focused book and talking to the business audience, talking to the CMO, the CEO about data, but something that had, we wanted something that had enough depth that the data professionals could learn a lot and, and scribble lots of notes and, and really get a load of value out. So a business focused book with lots of depth. And, and that's hopefully what we've managed to manage to, to, to put together. And, and, and this kind of title of data means business was, was right at the heart of what we wanted to kind of get across is that data isn't this thing, separate thing over here. It's not something that's done to an organization. It's not, mm -hmm. you know, a silo. It shouldn't be a siloed thing that people focus on. And equally, it's not really all just about technology. It's, it's about, you know, the business things that happen. It's, it's created through the day-to-day the -day running of an organization it's, and, and you can give the organization firepower by harnessing that data and doing something with it. So we think it's all about business and, and that's what, yeah, that's where we ended up putting this, this work together. Yeah, no, it's perfect. And like you said, it's not, it's not, this kind of information is not widely available, at least not in a, in a nicely condensed form uh, like you've done. And I wonder, I think a lot of people who bring in data because it seems to everyone, every organization, every person mm -hmm. uh, will tell you that we're trying to be data driven, we're bringing in data, but it often yeah. seems like, okay, we have a business and as soon as we collect more data, we'll be good. But obviously mm -hmm. that kind of mentality leads to different kinds of issues. I mean, obviously bringing in data is good, but it's not the only thing you need to do. What are some of the, the key challenges or problems that you've seen, particularly when people decide they want to be data driven as an organization, they start to bring in data or collect data, but then they find, of course, that that's not a magic solution that they suddenly start making tons of money because they have more data. I think that's a yeah. common starting point. I'm sure you've seen. Can you say a little yeah. bit more about that and what it looks like? Yeah. I mean, the, the you know, the, the having data and having more data is really not the point here, the point is there's organizations that are running day to day, they're operating, they're, they're shaping a business strategy to, you know, grow into international markets or deliver a better customer service or, you know, improve the way it operates so that it's, it's more effective. It can get products to people quicker. It can get funding to the people it needs to go to, depending on the industry that you're in. Mm -hmm. And a business is running day to day and off the back of running that business data is data is, is created, you know, swipes of web pages, you know, when someone logs a complaint, when someone signs up to a, um, to register to buy something, when someone gives their details over, all of that is creating data. So if nothing else, making that data good and, and ensuring that the business can operate in a way that, that supports what it's trying to achieve, you know, is something that needs to be done by all organizations, even if you don't take it to the next step and, and derive insight and, and put it together and build algorithms, which is kind of like the natural progression. Mm -hmm. So, so the kind of first off is, is your, your organization will already be an organization that creates data and, and for it to operate well and for it to do the things it wants to do, it needs to make sure that data is, 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 is solid and, and well looked after and, and produces the kind of operational results it needs to produce. 
and kind of taking that forward then obviously there's there's you want to start harnessing and doing something more than just sort of operating the the, the sort of the transactions that the business has and and having that data having access to that data putting it together in a really solid way and having an organization that has a mindset that is about you know taking data taking insight making better decisions with that data and insight to really kind of move it forward. And, and, and what we find is that organizations sort of get a bit het up and focused on the data itself and often start with, you know, technology to try and solve the problem. Mm-hmm. But actually what this is about is a much sort of broader look at an organization, look at the culture of the organization and, and, and shaping the business and, and the, the structures of the business around the kind of insight it needs around the kind of decisions that it needs to make. And then working back to a, a, a place where you, you've, you've constructed data in the best way that it can be so, so that it can then support both the operational sort of workload, but also setting and driving and, and managing and testing the performance of the business. Yeah, yeah, and to to build on that, you talk about a data guided business as moving mm-hmm. from not necessarily starting at, but a lot of them will be ad hoc. And you have these nice little concentric circles diagram in your book where you know there's data, and then there's business, and these are two very separate bubbles. And in an yeah. ideal sort of situation, business and data, sort of as you said earlier, are exactly in the same place. They're they're not necessarily distinguishable because the data and the yeah. business go together. How, right. how does that look in practice? Can you give any examples of something that might be, you know, in your earlier stage or you, I don't know if this is necessarily in order, right? But you have, you have yeah. ad hoc businesses siloed and embedded, but ultimately if we can put the data and the business together, which, you know, seems easy if you're looking at two circles, but what does that really look like? Um, maybe you can give some examples of a business or an organization that does that well, and maybe some that yeah. haven't or, or that are struggling in that area. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. So the uh, the circles diagram you're talking about, we, we call the data pervasiveness scale. So it's how pervasive data is within the organization. And yeah, where, where you want to get to is is where really where people don't really think about data much. It's just mm-hmm. absorbed into the fabric of the organization and it's used, the, the culture of the business is that it's used day to day to drive its decision making. And, it, and if you think about you know, one of the other things that's that's real front and center of the book is what we call the level up framework. Mm-hmm. And and at the, the level up framework is a way of articulating the kind of journey that people need to go on from um, not using data well in their organization to it being part of the DNA um, and running the organization. And at the sharp end of that, the, the sort of the furthest end of that, we call it optimize. And these are the kind of organizations where data is absorbed and they're organizations like Netflix, like Uber, like Amazon, where, where data is a number of things. It drives the decision-making either automated or by humans to, to uh, about things like what products to get to people or in Netflix's instance, what shows to put in front of people mm-hmm. or in Uber's instance, where to locate their cars. So it's using data to make better decisions about its organization and how to serve the products and services that it gives to customers. But there's also sort of when you're at the kind of absorbed stage, it's also you might turn those things into products themselves. If you think of Amazon, they have created you know, hardware and a service out of the, the servers that they put together in the AWS platform. So they've not only used data to drive decision making, but they've also used data and the technology needed for data as a product in its own right. Mm-hmm. And using the data uh, and, and using data also to, if you sort of monetize the data to get it in front of other people, that's another way of showing that organizations are that kind of more absorbed stage. But really, it means it's a cultural thing. It means that the organization, you know, you don't make all decisions based on purely data. You take data, you take intuition, you take experience. And, and based on all of that, you make 
an informed and we call it guided judgment and decision about what to do. And you might be wrong. You might, you know, get lucky, but, but at least you're doing it with, with, um, with, with good, good intent and good information. So if you think about, you know, something like the COVID response and put politics aside of how that was dealt with, but what, what governments were trying to do was look at the data. Where's the, where's the issue? Where, where are their spikes? What kind of cohorts and or personas of people were most impacted and then make decisions about how to run the country based on the data that they had and early days of covid they weren't able to do that it was ad hoc it was siloed mm. it, they they didn't have they didn't know who had it they didn't know where it was coming from they didn't know who was testing you know, none of this stuff was in place now if we look at it there's a there's a much better engine behind getting analyzing and making decisions based on data now you can argue about the decisions but you can't really argue about kind of the, the way that, um, that, that, that data is put together and, and being used to, to make those decisions. So at that end, you've got kind of organizations like a Netflix, like an Uber, who are, who are absolutely under, you know, over and under making decisions based on data. And at the other end of the spectrum, you've got organizations that don't even really think about it. They're running the business. They might have operational systems. They, they're, they're using sort of judgment and, and their experience to make decisions. They might be making really good ones, mm. but they're not looking at the, the the data they have access to, getting insight to really understand what's happening with their customers or their products or their services and driving the business forward because of that. So it's kind of like, it's kind of a maturity thing. It's kind of a cultural thing, a maturity thing about how, how embedded, absorbed is data into the fabric of the business in terms of how it makes its decisions and where it, and who it gets, in, who it gets in front of. Yeah. And I like how you said, you know, you don't even necessarily think about it as data because it's just part of the business, like, like a fish in water, yeah. right? You're, you're so yeah. immersed and obviously that's a great state to be in, but not one that I think even the best businesses are still struggling to continue in that direction, right? To make it even more sort of symbiotic or organic the way that you use data. And there's also, as you said, I think something I've been hearing from a lot of people is that Yes, you need to be data driven, you need to bring in as much data and make it as insightful as possible through whatever systems you're using. But that doesn't mean you don't have intuition or ideas or, you know, market knowledge, yeah. you need to put these things together. And I think that's, that's it. That's a key. I think when people are starting out, right, they think data will replace everything or either it should, and they're all happy, or they're worried that data will just replace their own insights, right? How, how do the best people put those things together? Yeah. I think you've got to be quite, you know, you've got to be quite grown up about it. You know, you, people, people use, you know, pe people use data to, to tell the story you want to tell, right? You can, you can only surface the data that, that will, that, or that supports the decision you've already made, or you can just not use the data. You can ignore it totally. So it requires like a real grown up, open, honest, um, and collaborative culture within the business to really to really kind of go look we we understand that we've got a preference here of going right instead of left but the data is implying that we should go left and we might want to go right but we have to make a judgment call about well, what do we do and, and you need to be able to have a really grown-up conversation and so the characteristics of an organization that can do that is one that is open that is honest that is collaborative that is top down in the way that it demonstrates not not from a decision making point of view but that demonstrates mm. it's using data in this way and be I guess honest is the word again, to, that if you're going to ignore what the data says for whatever reason you decide, that again, you're capturing the fact that that's happened. Because, because if, you, if you, you know, where, where it goes wrong is if you continually ignore the data and you continually make decisions without it, but you're not really being open and honest about that. And, and we, see, we, see, um, we see a situation where, you know, data kind of starts exposing people. You know, we thought that 
performance in a certain business unit was better than it was because we were reporting you know revenue instead of margin all of a sudden we're reporting margin because that's easy to do we've automated it it's in a dashboard and all of a sudden it doesn't look quite as as good so what kind mm-hmm. of behavior does that then drive within the business so so it's really it's really important that as an organization if we're going to start using data and intuition and um, experience that that we're we're grown up about how we make decisions and we need to start thinking about how do we actually make decisions the mm-hmm. sort of frameworks that you can use to to, to to sort of structure decision making and it's not to slow you down it's actually to speed you up making more of the right decisions more often so i, I think that's that's where that's where we need to start sort of shifting this and and often like as i said before the conversation often gets sort of stuck on data but actually mm-hmm. we need to progress beyond that and start thinking about you know decision making how do we turn this into a really valuable asset for the organization and, and make it sort of work for us yeah no that's great now I, I want to follow up on that with you know the the example you just came up with turning left instead of right is such a you know I know I'm sure it was just off the top of your head but it's such a clear one when you have data saying go left you know there's more mm. there's more audience left or there's more um, you know net sales left but you're going right I think mm. one of the challenges is people start bringing in data they don't have this this clear response from the data right they have a million different entries some of which talk about different mm. directions you're not sure exactly how to put it together. And so uh, what I mean by that is there's there's rarely a clear solution where it's like, yes, the data says if we do this, we will make money. And if we do this, we won't. How do you how do you encourage people to start thinking about data, maybe asking better data questions so that maybe it does appear as simple as turning left to right? Because I know I think it can be overwhelming when you start to collect and look at all of these sources of data. You just don't know what it's saying. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a really good point. And, and you know, what, what are we looking for? We're looking for signals where, you know, as you say, the data isn't going to tell us the answer. There's the, the dashboard's job, you know, the analytics job, actually, in some instances, it is, and I'll come back to that. But, you know, most of the time when it's about making a, a, a call about where to, what, whether to go left or right, let's use that analogy, continue that analogy. Yeah, the data is not going to tell you what you're looking for is signals in what's happening in the world in your business in the department with your customers that might give you an indication about wh- whether to go left or right so the, the 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 skill if you like isn't about you know building data integrations and and dashboards it's about understanding and identifying the right signals that you need to that you may need to look at and then and then having the analytical capability in not just analysts but in the business professionals that are that are ultimately making decisions to know how best to identify those signals how which ones to listen to which ones to ignore you know all sorts of things about bias and you know it, it starts to become quite a grown-up skill that, that an organization needs to have in order to make better decisions based on data so so that's the, that's the thing we need to that's the thing we need to get to so so it's identifying the signals and identifying which of those we want to listen to um, and again it, it requires you to be quite open and, and flexible with what you might look at you know if you've always looked at I'm saying that's that's a basic example if you've always looked at revenue then you're not looking at the signals of what's going to help us perform the best let's look at margin so that we know you know even if there's lower volume the margin is better therefore that's a kind of bunch of products that we should go after as an example mm-hmm. so i think that's that's the way i tend to think about looking at you know it's looking at signals and, and if we can get that right we can start to, to to sort of whittle down the right things we want to look at in a certain scenario but, but i think this is where um the kind of the concept again cover it in the book around kind of iterative test and learn mm-hmm you know, um, almost agile, because you don't always know what signals you need to look at, 
you don't always know what the response of those signals are going to be. You don't always know what data product you need at all. So we, we need to almost have scenarios that we're able to, to, to um, execute against and build data products that help support um, us understanding and unpicking what those scenarios look like so that we can make the best decisions with the signals that we have. Yeah, and that's exactly, I wanted to ask you about the iterative process. I mean, you talk about mm. ways, of, ways of approaching it and fine tuning it, and you even give sort of different stages that people might want to, to look at in terms of pursuing projects. Yeah. I guess my first question in that area, in the, in the idea of iterating, you want to start, I think, with something relatively manageable, something that can show that you have the ability to make a better decision based on this data that you're implementing or this, this new model or whatever it is that you're doing. You want to show mm -hmm. that you can actually make some progress relatively quickly. I think that's a, you know, that's a, that's a perfect way to get into more data-driven decision-making. What would you suggest as people go in that direction? You know, they want to show a proof of concept or they want to show that, yes, this organization can be more data driven. Are there any things yep. to look for? Like, should you start with a certain kind of question or should you start with a certain kind of approach to taking in data? What's a good, what's a yep. good way to get started on these sort of minimal viable products when you're beginning to be more data driven? Yeah, it's um, the, big, the big one there for me is. You know, if you, if you think about, you've got a data function that's going, we've got data, we've built pipelines, we're building dashboards, we want to build models. Cool. That's all great, but they're all capabilities and they're mm -hmm. all um, solutions to a problem. If we really want to make iterative improvement and we want to test some things out, we need to start with the problem that we're trying to solve. So the best way to start to build an MVP is to get much closer to, um, and I think data professionals really need to do this more, is get much closer to the problems that you know the organization has and that might be big transformational strategic things like you know which geography should we go into all the way to some really kind of specific areas like you know should we offer a product in a marketing campaign a you know product a sorry a customer in a marketing campaign product a or product b quite minutiae and and work back to the kind of data products and the data that we need and the business questions that we have because otherwise we we build a platform and we we put data together without a real you know use case without a real why statement mm -hmm. so if we start with unpicking what those proper use cases are proper problems that we want to solve we we unpick what business questions we have in, that will help us solve them um, and then we construct a a kind of you know quick and dirty or at least a, a a minimum level of features possible in in a solution so that we can test whether those things will help us to answer those questions which will help us solve the business problem that we've got so that, that's where it, that's where it really starts to come into its own and and um, and through that you you learn something you you learn about the interaction with sort of the business team that owns the problem you learn about the con the construct of certain data sets you learn about what insights needed in order to unpick the challenge and um, and, and which metrics we want to track you start to learn a whole bunch of stuff and that's the sort of the point of these kind of MVPs is to learn what works and what doesn't. But you, you always want to have the future in mind. So you want to then be able to scale and iterate, you know, better, better, better um, features and better um, functionalities into that data product as you know that it's going in the right direction. If you or your data team want to enhance your data analysis with a proven approach, improve communication with stakeholders and drive business outcomes through critical insights, sign up for Pragmatic Institute's course, Business Driven Data Analysis. Learn more at pragmaticinstitute.com slash data. Yeah, and I think, you know, as you said, choosing the key 
uh, metrics that you want to monitor to make better decisions is super important because you have mm -hmm. to find the signal in the noise. I think, yep. um, you know, pragmatic works mainly historically with product managers, product marketing managers, people who want to better understand the market problems so that they can, if, if needed, you know, engineer features or make decisions about what product to, to put out next, but they're really about better understanding markets. Are there ways of, of doing that and being more data-driven? I think, you know, historically you would go out and do surveys and then you would say, these are the you know, problems in my market. Let's, you know, work on things. There's obviously now, you know, huge amounts of data, but I don't know if they all give the same kind of value or insights when you're looking for market problems to, to think about solving, right? What kind of data, maybe it is still surveys, maybe it's uh, web usage. And I know obviously it will depend on, organizations, but where are you likely to find insights when you're specifically looking for, to better understand market problems, maybe your own, or maybe to, to potentials, right. To people who haven't bought your product, but that might, I think that's another challenge, right? Where do you, yeah. where do you better understand market problems from if that's one of your main goals, what kind of data? From a, like an external, external perspective. So, so um, understand the market at large. So rather, okay. Well, both. So the external yeah, market problem, as well as your own products, potentially. So I think um, conceptually, those, those things can be covered in the same kind of way. So, you know, if we think about external, the external market, then it depends what kind of question we've got. So, you know, is this about understanding competitor landscape? Is it about understanding where the growth opportunity is? Is it about understanding where the gap in the market is? is it about understanding what kind of customers are most likely to, you know, buy from us next? So depending on the kind of, you know, external market thing we want to understand, I think that changes the data that you need. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it's about competitors, we might scrape websites for competitor pricing. If it's about customers, you might, you might look at some kind of customer panel that exists in your industry. So retail, for example, has quite a few customer panels, which help unpick what the kind of customer landscape looks like. So I think depending on the, the, the business question that you have about the market, that changes the data set and, and where you get that, that data from. And some of those are open data sets. So if you're in an, uh, an industry where, where you're interacting with, with you know, citizens, which is most people, or you know, the, the, the real world, you know, things from the government are often quite good open data sets about health and population and traffic mm. and all these things that can help give you, again, signals that might help you determine to make a, a better decision. And then the same internally, right? So if if you're trying to understand, you know, who who you're most who you should spend or where you should spend your marketing investments, then then you want to have a look at well, where what's successful now? Who is it that 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 um, is attracted to our proposition based on the marketing that we put out there, or who is it that that buys our products most? And therefore, let's go and find some lookalikes in the market that that have the same characteristics of the kind of people that that already buy from us to see if we can kind of engineer them into the sort of the marketing funnel that way. So again, it kind of depends what the business challenges that you've got that would change the kind of data that you need to have access to, which is why we like to think about things from the business problem back, because you can go, what all the data, what's all the data that we've got and what should we do with it? Mm -hmm. Well, you can get really creative with that if you like, but you're not, you're not necessarily kind of marching yourself towards a, a real thing that the business is trying to achieve. So, so I like to work the other way around. Yeah, no, that's perfect. I think that that makes a lot of sense. I wonder if if you've seen examples of ways that businesses or organizations have have changed after that first or second iteration, right? So, you know, first time around, you're trying to do, you're doing your best collecting data and trying to answer problems that you have through that data. Mm -hmm. 
But then that second time or third time around, you know, ideally you're getting better. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with all the consulting you've done, all the work that you've done, where have you seen significant examples of that where, you know, the second time around this answered the question much better because of, you know, whatever change. I think it's gone both ways. I think you can get worse as well as get yeah, I guess, better, of course. Yeah, so it's you not learn, the part we learn. want to talk about, but yeah. No, well, I suppose my point was there that that um, that you learn something, right? Either way, you, mm. you've learned that the, the data wasn't the right data or that the question was slightly wrong or that what we thought the answer was going to be didn't really tell us what we wanted to. So I suppose that's what I mean by it got worse. Uh, more a thousand ways not it. to make a light bulb, right? Yeah, exactly. Which obviously then gives you the one that is the, is the, is the right way. But I know there's sort of loads of examples, right? Um, you know, in in I don't know in, in sort of public sector, for example, we, we did a piece of work helping to identify in local government in the UK. We, we did some work to help the team uh, identify. You know, they, they get there's a benefit if you live on your own in the UK, you get a bit of a tax rebate from your your council tax. But there's fraud in that. People say they live on their own, but then there's a lodger or their you know partner mm. moves in, or, and and you can and if you're just looking at that on its own, you can kind of sort of identify. You know, we think this is happening, and but when you start stitching the data that a, a local authority has across the 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 work that they do you know car parking fines signing up for newsletters uh, for for updates on a certain service that they provide um you know housing parking refuse all these things that help identify individuals and where they live all of a sudden we can start to get a much better picture about whether people whether the property's got one person or two people in it same same data set actually you can help identify whether you've got electoral fraud you know people saying that there's two places so they're they're voting twice so we, we want to get make mm. sure we've got a really strong list of people that are allowed to vote but these are really big challenges that that councils have and and by stitching that together we can start to kind of make a much better judgment call about whether we whether we're you know again whether we've got any fraud in 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 the way that people are interacting with the services for for the for the council you know in a commercial example marketing you know marketing campaigns for example you can be very crude in the first that first iteration to say mm-hmm. um, we want to provide either you know red or black in terms of the colors of products that we want to give to people but in the second and third iteration we start to bring size we start to bring context to the decision so that we can scale out what's needed but until we know whether black or red is the right answer then then we don't want to put too much into that pot because we might get confused about which things really driving the the change in behavior that we want to get through through marketing so and then all sorts of examples in between but i I think your question is great because it's kind of saying look the first go at this we might get right we might get right we might get wrong we're going to learn something the second go at this we're going to improve we're going to iterate we're going to refine it or we're going to say actually this is no good and 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 that the, the sort of broader context here is how does an organization make decisions about where to invest its money in you know, analytics and insight and data, well, well, we need to be really strong about going, uh, that thing, it's not, it's not really giving us the answer we want. It's not really showing us the insight we need. It's not really helping us get closer. Let's move away from that because there's some really sh- powerful developments over here, which are getting us a great picture for, you know, some other part of the business. And, and that prioritization mechanism becomes really important. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the, the iterative process is always going to be there. But there are definitely ways that you can make improvements quickly, realize what's working, what doesn't work. I wonder if there are, you know, sort of techniques that you've seen applied where people can figure out very quickly whether they're in the right, going in the right direction. So, you know, as you said, if you're choosing colors and you see that there's a preference, then, you know, maybe you're doing the right direction. I'm curious, how do you, how, what things might you look for, especially if in that example, right, you're not really getting the answer you, you had hoped. When do you... 
obviously varies in, in terms of the situation, but what are things you can look for to say, okay, the, the question that we posed is not really going to be answered. It doesn't seem like another week or another month is going to answer it. What are the, some of the indications that maybe, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, your data project isn't going to work? I think it's very, I think that's very use case specific, actually, and context specific. And what do I mean by that? So use case specific is that depending on the kind of problem you're trying to solve, you might, you might more quickly get to an answer that answer than, than than others right so you know should should we go left or right on that example again is quite a big major fundamental change in direction mm-hmm. so um you want to be kind of a more sure you might push that a bit harder than should we you know color the email campaign e- uh, email you know purple rather than than green right so mm-hmm. you can and you can test both those things at once so i think it's quite use case specific and and context specific as well because different organizations have appetite to invest and try things out more or less than others so if you're an organization that's quite innovative and 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 has an appetite to test and learn and trickle feed funding to something to kind of keep on moving the needle then you're in a different place than if you've got to sort of prove up front that something's going to be valuable, get a bunch of cash, and then you have to work at it, you know, work at it, spend the money and, and prove that you were, you said, you, you said, sorry, you did what you said you would do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's quite context specific. I don't, I don't think there's an answer to it needs to be this long. It needs to go this, this, for, for this amount of time. I think that depends, but I think the way we can do that is to collaborate much more closely between the those that are responsible for the decision and implementing the change that comes off the back of that decision and those that are uh, analyzing data and those that are building data solutions and and if we can crush those groups of people together we can speed up the time that it takes to get to a point where we can make the decision about whether this is working or not when it's siloed and we've got groups of people over here that are going i want to make a decision data team please can you provide me with a solution and the data solution team are kind of going, well, here's some data and here's a solution, go make a decision based on it. It becomes a bit siloed and sort of people end up wandering in the wrong direction. So crashing those things together a little bit more and collaborating and treating all the people involved in that end-to-end chain as the people responsible for making the decision, just some people are data part of that decision-making and some people mm. are you know, business part of that decision-making, you can get to a much quicker result. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Really and powerful. And you make sure you make the case, right, that collaboration is key in this area, especially because, yeah, exactly as you said, right, different groups that aren't necessarily speaking, you're not going to see how to solve a problem together as easily. But yeah, I'm thinking, you know, to follow up on that, there are there are people who are just kind of cheerleaders of data and are happy to see it happening. And then there are also skeptics. Sometimes maybe it's because there's a major change that they're not necessarily happy about or they're they're you know worried about losing money in this whatever data project and so yeah. <clears throat> i'm thinking you want to show success obviously you want to show that this whatever data project is working but as you said yeah. there's always an iteration where it's probably not going to work the first time in fact most data projects fail especially at the beginning because you know there's things to be worked out like they almost never go smoothly from mm-hmm. conception onto the conclusion of whatever project you're working on. So for the skeptics, how can you show them or what can you do to bring them along and show them that, okay, well, you know, we didn't necessarily make money on this this week, but we're confident that a few more iterations will be profitable. And then, you know, vice versa, right? If you are, you're not sure, you want to make sure that you uh, are not throwing money at something that's just not going to work. What are maybe key metrics, not of, 
not of the thing you're trying to build as a product, but of the actual data product itself? Or is there a way to, is there a way to monitor the success and make changes so that, you know, you prove the skeptics wrong, but you don't anticipate some perfect data strategy that almost never will exist? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a couple of lenses to clarify there. I think there's macro level data projects like data strategy mm. i call it can be very successful first time and okay, there's yeah. a there's a there's a method to defining that strategy and then executing it i think what you're referring to is sort of specific data projects within that that are about solving a, a business challenge and how you edge towards that mm. i mean look skeptics you know i i you know skeptics might always be skeptics you know some people don't want you know don't want it to work for political reasons some people don't you know want to they want to protect the data that they've got or the people they've got in data or the funding into their you know so there's all sorts of reasons why you'll never turn a skeptic but and and i don't think the time to be um turning a skeptic is when something hasn't worked you know mm-hmm. um a skeptic's a skeptic normally because they have some kind of personal sort of private reason for, for it. But, but sort of if we put everyone in the camp of, you know, thinking about this for positive gain for everybody is that their personal experience has been poor. So their personal experience in the business they're in or in a previous company has been poor with, with the ability to use data to make decision-making and or they don't really see and understand the value in this situation. So people are skeptical because they don't get it now and they don't, they haven't seen it work before. That's when you tend to be skeptical or you basically you don't understand. Right. And that's, that's, that's putting aside people that understand and are choosing purposefully not to, not to want to get on board. Right. So mm-hmm. there's different approaches depending on, on the situation there. And, and the best time to get a skeptic on board is once you've got some success and it might not be in that person's area, but you know, you, you want to build cheerleaders, you want to build champions of, of data. And, and if, if one of the skeptics is a you know you know senior manager a senior director then cool one of his peers or her peers will will be on board and you'll be doing great things and you you move from this kind of whole carrot uh, sorry stick situation where you're saying do data do data you've got to get data to a carrot situation where you're going over here there's some really valuable insight being created and producing some really valuable results mm-hmm. and then you start communicating and sharing with other people what's happening so you've got these stories so telling these stories showing these use cases showing these case studies internally to skeptics to start trying to move them over to be um to be to be positive promoters of the thing that you're trying to achieve so good stories great communication clarity of what you're doing why you're doing it where you're going and proving proving credibility and, and we talk about proving credibility early on in the book mm-hmm. and early on in a sort of data strategy so that you earn the right to invest more money in 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 data and the capabilities needed for it. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I like especially that idea of, you know, instead of the stick, you give the carrot, the enticing reasons for data, as opposed to, you know, trying to get people on board yeah. for, for whatever. It's like business is hard, right? Not just data, all, all change, all new stuff, all innovation is tough. And, you know, you want to invest your energy in the people that are, that are pulling and you've got some work to turn it from a push to a pull or a carrot to a, a stick to a carrot, sorry. But it's it's hard. It takes time. It's a cultural shift. But doing mm-hmm. things and proving credibility and value is the way to way to make that happen. Yeah, I wonder if you have any examples that you like maybe that are in your pocket. I know you have some in the book about how or just ways that people have proven the viability of whatever project or whatever data analysis work that they're doing. You know, so in other words, if you are trying something new at a business. So you don't have any real story yet to share, but you want to bring people on board. What are some maybe outside stories, some, some maybe great examples you've seen um, that demonstrate how data can be effective? 
I think again, I think that's quite specific on the industry, but um, but but having having a clear data strategy and and what I mean by that is something that articulates the value for this organization. So for the mm. organization we're in, what's the actual value that we think we can get by applying data to our business? A little bit that's paper-based, right? That's saying we think there is this opportunity in these areas of the business and and this is how we're going to go after it. This is how we're going to test it. This is the capabilities we're going to put in place. And this is the plan, right? This is how we're going to deliver it. It's the roadmap. So having a clear statement like that really helps to demonstrate that you've got a handle on the situation. You know where you are, you know where you want to get to, and you've, you've got the building blocks that, that you put in place. I think without that, it's quite hard to then prove 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 much because because you, you're not proving that you've got a you've got a credible plan. Mm-hmm. But you can't only have a credible plan because you, you, this stuff and change happens when you actually do something. So and there's lots of examples of where of where data has been used and i talked about sort of ubers and netflix's you know product recommendations and targeted marketing campaigns and you know things that people have bought and, and recommending what they might buy elsewhere managing the supply and demand of of services and and diet and, and focusing on the things where the 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 your forecasted demand is higher making sure that you've got enough stock to support it or or enough investment to do the thing that you want to do so so i think there's lots of sort of specific business scenarios that that drive the the need for data, and it's uh, it's really about identifying which of those are relevant to your organisation, and then picking one, picking one that is valuable enough that people go, okay, this is this is we've got something here, and feasible enough that you can do it, um, and not try and sort of boil the ocean as a phrase that's used, not try and do everything at once, and and yeah. again, this is where some where people fall down, they try and build the data warehouse or the data lake or the data lake house now mm-hmm. all at once, and and you know the whole thing, and and forget about the fact that actually we need to sort of be thinking about this a little bit more vertically rather you know building use case by use case rather than just sort of putting this big data ecosystem in place so so i think yeah having having that clear data strategy improving you know even if it's a if if there's a million dollars worth of value in something go and get a first dollar prove that you can get a dollar by applying data to it and then get 10 then 100 then a thousand you're iterating the value that you can get and there's a great story from a um from the uh, data uh, leader at an online retailer called Mano Mano. They're a um, DIY online DIY place in um, uh, based in France, and they were early days. They were down to their last um, hundred euros of budget before they were were literally going to sort of fold the business. And they wanted to go right. Let's give this one last go to try and drive the tra- transactional behaviour that we want from our customers up. And instead of putting a hundred pounds into one campaign, they did ten campaigns of ten euros. And, and looked at which one of those 10 campaigns produced the best results. And the one that produced the best result, they went, okay, this works, let's reinvest. And then they added they added their attention there and they sort of whittled down, shortlisted the marketing campaigns that would be most effective. And they sort of slowly, slowly grew, grew. And that was all sort of driven around having good insight, good access, good understanding of what signals to look at, but not really knowing which scenario would play out and then focusing the attention on the scenario that did play out. And, and now they're, you know, they're a large business and we're able to sort of trade themselves up through the use of data. Yeah. Well, and that, that's an excellent segue into one of the last things I wanted to ask you about, which is scaling up. So we've mm. talked about some, you know, some struggles you may have in the early stages, but hopefully if you're an organization that is becoming data driven, you see that it has worked with perhaps small scale innovation or implementation yep. What are some of the best strategies or, or approaches to thinking, you know, sort of as you just said, what are the first steps? Let's assume that we've been successful in that. What are some good responses to early success that won't 
you know, kind of dissipate as you grow, as you scale up? What are some strategies yeah. for that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great all right. So once you've proven value, once you've shown that data is an important thing, you then want to, I talk about it, put it on rails. You want it to, to work really well and you not just at scale, not just, and, and order to, in order to go really fast at scale is quite challenging. So, mm-hmm. so you're sort of building on those foundations and, and building on the work that you've done earlier on to scale. So one of the things I think is, is um, thinking about how do you not build like an empire centrally, but enable the organization. People talk about self-service and that there's a whole other podcast for what that means, but but you, you want to get the, the decision-making ability into the hands of the people making decisions Mm-hmm. And you can draw a line about where where does that mean you know dashboards and insight and data engineering sit and those sorts of things. But as long as you're empowering the organisation to make better decisions, that's that's the best way to scale. It's sort of you know it's the way a, a, a software vendor scales. They get partnerships in different countries and sell through those partners. It's a similar mechanism where you've got you no know, decisions being made in a broad group and capability being made by a, a broad group. I think technology is another is a huge enabler for scale here. So it's it's a huge enabler for getting off the ground quickly and testing and MVPs and 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 potentially throwaway kit that you can just sort of spin up and, and dump. But to scale, you need something that can scale, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and having the construct within the technology of you know re- reusable components of um, automated testing of infrastructure as code, all these things and, and concepts that allow you to, to scale technology quickly and, and things like cloud platforms enable you to do that well. I think uh, we sort of touched on this before, but sort of cross-functional teams become way more important at scale. So not baton passing between data engineering to, you know, so from architecture to engineering to analysts to dash, dashboard people to business people to decision makers. Yeah. It's not this sort of baton passing, but much more sort of cross-functional teams where they're trying to solve solve a, a problem. Um, and then the other big one I would say for scale is 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 not, and we haven't really talked about it much, is data management. And and actually you start this a bit earlier, but but having a very solid understanding of of the flows of data within the organization organization and how we make sure from point of capture to point of execution that they're well looked after it's well fed it's well watered it's secure it's trusted quality of the data is strong we can only scale anything we do with data scale dashboards scale machine learning scale any data science we do by making sure that we've got really strong solid data management and and it's at the point of scaling that it becomes make or break yeah no that's that's good and i think that's I think that, I mean, we could talk for so long about all of this and break it down even more, but I know uh, we're coming to the end of the time we've allotted. I wonder if you have suggestions for people who are very interested in helping foster a data-driven culture, but who are not necessarily computer scientists, right? You know, mm-hmm. the the idea of a data lake is still a bit of a stretch for them, but they know they want to be more data-driven and they want mm-hmm. to create this culture or help foster this culture, right? What could they do tomorrow or maybe in the next week that would help push in that direction? But I'm especially interested in people who don't know, you know, I'll get on AWS and I'll start up this thing, right? They're not at that level. They just know they want to be able to ask better decisions or make better decisions by asking better data questions. What can they start to do this week to, to try to foster that in their organization? Yeah. Well, my cheeky answer is read, read my book. So, uh, <laughs> other than that, that's, that's point number three. That, that's standard. What yeah, two other standard. things that's, could they do? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, I guess it's a clear statement of, of use cases is, is the, again, is the first, the first place. I know I've sort of mentioned that a couple of times, but, 
but being clear on what you're trying to solve for and which of those are most important and the most valuable to the to the business that's that's number one thing i i, I say that to a chief data officer starting out and i say that to a software engineer or a data engineer starting out it's like be really clear on what you're solving for the value it might bring uh, why you're why you're doing it that, that's that's number one and then i think number two would be almost kind of stop, you know, stop procrastinating and do you, you've got to get hands on, you've got to start constructing um, solutions to problems and showing them to people. And you might get it wrong, might not be quite sharp enough yet, it might need 10 iterations to get it even better, but doing something because you can read the books, you can you can write the mm -hmm. strategies, you can do all these things. But ultimately, until you start putting pen to paper and building data products that solve specific challenges, it's just a, it's just academic until that point. So, so yeah, that, that's what I say is come up with the list and, and crack on. Well, I think that's perfect advice to leave listeners with, Jason. I really, I appreciate your time today. I think there's obviously, like I said, lots more. People can learn a lot more from the book. And of course, they can take pragmatic courses, which are, that'll be my pitch. But ultimately, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot here that encourages us to kind of play around and understand that the first iteration will not be the last when we when we enter this space or when we try to improve and move on and mature uh, with our organization's data usage. Jason, thank you so much. Where can people reach you if uh, if they want to know more about you? Where can they find you? Uh, best place for that is probably uh, LinkedIn. So Jason Foster on LinkedIn, follow or, or or connect with me. Let me know you heard me here um, and then, then I know where it came from. Um, but yeah, that's probably the best place. I'm also on Twitter. Cool. Well, I really appreciate it. Jason, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Chris. Mm -hmm.